Amen. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Good morning. All right. It's good to see y'all very much so. Um, a couple of things real quick is I uh, want to present to you and just be mindful of the fact that uh, we ought to be praying for what's going on in Israel and praying that God would bring protection to the innocent and justice to the wicked and that we would join, most importantly, to, to pray that God would be glorified and that he would encourage his church, that they would rise up and know what to do in this time of need. So I just wanna make sure as a church we stay on top of that. And we also have um, a team, a mission team right now in Guatemala. And if you probably don't know this, but uh, there's uh, some protests happening in Guatemala that are peaceful thus far, but they're kind of shutting down roads and operations. So it's making it a little difficult to navigate things down there. Uh, so they'll be there for the next couple of days. So just be praying for that team. All is well, they're safe. Everything is good in that sense. Uh, but obviously it's a little tricky than it would normally be. And they're in Guatemala now. There's almost 20 of them from City Light down there. So uh, just be having them in your prayers over these next couple of days. Uh, finally, there's a marriage and parenting conference this weekend, Friday and Saturday. So if you're married and your marriage is good or it's bad, you should come. If you're parenting and your parenting is good or it's bad, you should come. If you'd like to be married and you're engaged or close to it, you should come. Uh, it would be great to have you this weekend to provide some wisdom needed. A, a good friend and a, an excellent pastor, leader, counselor, uh, Dr. Arlen's going to come, and he's going to be really helpful to, to those involved. So that's this weekend. All right, we are in the middle of our six-week series through Hebrews 11 called Faith, about faith, and it's about the faith factor. What I want us to see today, I know this is going to be so helpful, so I've just been so excited. I always am excited, but I've been so excited this week as I'm learning what God is saying and how just relevant this will be to your life. This is really going to help you. Because today is about what faith looks like when things don't go the way that they should go. What does faith look like when things are not what you wish they would be? What does faith look like when things don't even happen as you prayed for them to happen? What does faith look like in the middle of disappointment? What does faith look like when it seems like God is not delivering on what he has promised to you? What does faith look like when even after a long time, still, the hopes that you had for life seem just as far away now as they were in the beginning? What does faith look like really in the middle of what is currently your reality and what you wish and hope for in your life now and to come? What does faith look like in that place? In the real place of life, what does faith look like? This is what I hope to encourage you with and what the scriptures are talking about this morning. And what we're gonna see is that when this is the reality for us, which, reminder, is always the reality. We are always in the middle of what is and what will be, especially for those of us who are following Jesus. But sometimes it gets more intensified and we feel the lack or we experience the disappointment or we feel the disconnect at a greater level and it makes it difficult. And in those seasons, in the middle, we have several different temptations. Sometimes we're tempted to look back, to go back to what was as a way to handle our present. Sometimes we choose to rush ahead and force our way into what we wish was. And sometimes we just doubt the goodness and plan of God in the, in the present, 
So we choose alternative things. If God is not coming through for us like we would like, then I'm going to go to this person or that experience. I'm going to give in to that temptation or this temptation. So in the, in the middle between what is and what we wish was, which is our life, we're tempted to either go back to what was, right, to go ahead too fast to what we wish was, or in the, in the middle of the present moment to choose alternative things other than God to try to satisfy or to try to give guidance or to try to lead us or to try to help us. Either way, and we have this experience in life that no matter which way we turn, backwards, forwards, or to alternative choices in the middle, none of them actually do for us what we need and we're still left with the reality of what is. We're still left stuck in the middle. And so the question is then, what are we supposed to do? And what we're going to learn from this is we're supposed to wait. We're supposed to wait. So instead of going backwards, and instead of rushing forwards, and instead of choosing other things, we are supposed to wait. And so how in the world does a person do this well? Well, that's what today is about, the future focus of faith. Here's what you need to understand is that faith is what you hold on to in the present to get you to the future. The point of faith is to bring you through to get you to where God has intended you to be, not to make everything now the way you wish it was. The point of faith is to bring you through. The point of faith is to get you to where you're supposed to go. This is why, in the context of what we're reading in Hebrews 11, the very first verse, remember, faith is the substance of things not yet seen. Meaning that faith is a, a thing, a real thing, that is supposed to provide substance in the places where we feel lack or emptiness or disconnect. So faith is not just an idea or a theological word. Faith is the thing I hold on to in the middle of what is and what I wish was. Faith is what I get now that allows me to keep moving forward to what I will eventually get ultimately later. That's the point of faith. And that's what we're going to see and that's what God loves to give us in the midst of your and I, my current situation. So go ahead and open to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go. All right. We're going to read verses 13 and 16. And remember, this six-week series on faith, as we walk through Hebrews 11, you're going to see, this is going to be so helpful. I just know it's going to be so helpful. Because you're going to see not only, as we've seen, what the definition of faith is, you're going to understand what it is. But you're also going to see different experiences of life that faith applies. So how do I live by faith in this situation or that situation or this situation? And we're going to see a variety of situations, both in the, the theory of it, but also in its practice by these examples of people. What does faith look like here? What does it look like there? How does it look like to live it when things are like this or when things are like that? So it's going to be very, very helpful and to us to navigate our faith. And what I also want to present to you is, if you're here today and you don't, you don't know Christ yet, God, God is making you an offer of what could be in your life and the hope that you could have in the midst of whatever's going on in your life and ultimately the forgiveness of your sins through putting your faith in Jesus. And I hope you have ears to hear what God is putting on the table in front of you this morning and what you could have through trusting Christ. So Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. Starting in verse 13, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Which you could just stop right there. You say, mm, that's me this morning, you know. Right now, not. I am, I am in the middle of this, not having received the things promised. But having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. 
For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. The future focus of faith. Have you ever heard this phrase, uh, you're, you're so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good? You heard that phrase? That's a really dumb phrase. The problem is we're not heavenly minded enough. And the solution actually to much of your life is that if you would be more heavenly minded, you'd be of more earthly good. And the the situations and your ability to handle what's going on on earth is directly correlated to your focus and attention on heaven. It is not possible to be too heavenly minded. And the issue for most of us, and really all of us, is that we are not heavenly minded enough. The future focus of faith. Faith is about what is to come in the future. So in light of that, I'm going to give you three ways that faith deals with the future, focuses on the future that help you manage your present. All right? Three ways that faith handles the future that helps you handle the present moment in your life. The first is this. Faith is always seeking the future. It's always seeking the future. The verse here says, they were seeking a homeland. And it takes you through the, the reality that faith is a, is a seeking thing. It is moving towards something, which is why this verse is so significant, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. I mean, I just love this text because it takes all the, woohoo, everything works out, let's have faith, and it shoves it right into the regular life and say, what do you do when it doesn't work out? What do you do when you don't get even the things you think God has promised you? What do you do when you get to the point of death without having realized certain things in life? What do you do? What does faith look like in those places? Well, these people have experienced that. In faith, they continue to live even though they never got once they want, what they once thought they would get. There's a group of people just like us who died without getting the thing that they thought they would get. They never experienced the things they hoped to experience A group of people who died with unanswered prayers and broken dreams. A group of people who died in the middle of what they were doing without seeing it to completion. This is the reality of the group of people we're learning from now, which is quite relevant to our life currently. In the middle, in the middle of unanswered prayers, in the middle of dashed dreams, in the middle of disappointments and lack of hope, this is where we find ourselves. So how did, they, how did they do this? Well, this is the phrase I want you to understand, that faith is for seeking, not for staying. So first, what do I do with faith? Faith is for seeking, not for staying. The point of faith is to bring me through, not keep me put. The point of faith is not to keep me put or to simply make things better now. The point of faith is to get me through now, still faithful to God with my eyes fixed on the future. That's what, that's what faith is used for, is to get me through and to. But so often we turn it upside down and we prioritize the use of faith for now and we underutilize the use of faith to get me through now to make it to later. They were seeking, 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 meaning they never found yet, quite yet, where they were supposed to be. Seeking, seeking, seeking. Faith is for seeking, not for staying. 
It helps you have the right perspective about what I should expect in life and how I should utilize faith and when is faith most useful to me. Faith is for seeking, not for staying. And we can learn from this group of people because it says that they died in faith, not without faith. So now you say, wow, there's a group of people that did not receive the things promised to them, at least not on earth, and they still kept their faith. So how do I become that person? How do I keep my faith and not lose faith even when everything in my life is telling me that it's not working out according to what I hoped for? How do you do that? That's what we're going to see now. So how do I do that? What does that look like? And what I want you to understand really and what they had experienced as well is that when fear says not at all, faith says not yet. Here's the key to your life. Faith is always saying not yet. And so if you're looking at the text, it's not having received the things promised, dot, 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 yet. It's not having that prayer answered, yet. It's not having experienced the full blessing, yet. Faith always says not yet. It always holds on to the hope of what could and in some ways will be. So fear looks at you and says, not at all, no chance, zero possibility, no way. And faith looks back at that and says, even if my eyes can't see it and my ears can't hear it and my feet can't walk to it and my brain can't understand it, faith says God will make a way. Not yet. Fear says not at all, no chance. But faith says not yet, not yet. Faith is always holding on to that. Because faith believes that God is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. So it doesn't need to completely 100% understand. And it doesn't need to see it with its eyes. And it doesn't need to have it proved 100% A plus B equals C on earth. Faith says, it looks at this situation and says, I know who my God is and I know what he can do and I know what he's promised me. So when fear says not at all, faith says not yet. How did they keep their faith and not lose it when things didn't go according to plan? It's because they lived with a not yet. It's okay if it doesn't happen now because it will happen one day. It's okay if God doesn't solve it now because he will solve it one day. It's okay if God doesn't fix it just like I'd like now because he'll fix it perfectly one day. It's okay if I'm not 100% perfectly happy right in this moment because I will be 100% perfectly happy forever one day. It's okay if it doesn't go according to plan now, my plan, because everything's going according to God's plan. It's okay. So faith holds on to that because it doesn't have to realize in the present the things God has only promised for the future. So faith says, not yet, not yet. I want you to go ahead and start thinking about these things in your life to say, where is their doubt? Where is their discouragement? Where has fear compelled you to say, not at all? And I want you to take faith and utilize it in this way to say, not yet, not yet, not yet. So how does faith do this now? We wanna keep going and say, well, I'd love to be able to do that. It feels like I don't quite know. I don't have that kind of confidence. Well, how does faith do this? How does faith say not yet? Well, as we saw, faith is always seeking the future. So look at verse 13. So not having received the things promised, so there's a lack there, there's an emptiness, there's a, a disappointment. It doesn't stop there though, but the next verse, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. Meaning that faith, took the realities of the future and the heavenly realities of what is promised to us and has brought them so close to our consciousness that it makes them usable in our current experience. 
So the truths of heaven don't become nice ideas for later, but truths I can use to handle my present, my now. It takes it and it brings it clear. Let me give you an example to help. Think about it like a telescope. So what a telescope does is it takes things far away and it brings them closer to us in our experience. Because what happens is when we look at a star far away, without, you know, if you didn't know already, if you were just a little kid, you know, the stars look very small. If you looked at the star and you didn't have any scientific understanding or knowledge, you'd say, wow, it's really small. There's a little speck in the sky. You would treat it as if it's really small and you would think it is really small. But when you get a telescope and it gets you closer to the reality, you realize, oh, that star is not that small. It's actually very big, very big. You start to realize how big it is because the telescope takes something that appears far away and small and brings it closer to me and I can see how big it really is. This is what faith does. It takes what, is, what appears to be far away, and if we were honest, even though we know heaven's a big deal, we, we treat it, it looks small because it feels so far away. And faith takes that reality, and it brings it closer to us in our experience so that we see how big it really is, and so that we deal with it in light of how big it really is, so that it has the kind of effect on our life that it should have. So faith takes the things that appear to be far away, and it brings them closer into our experience so we can see how big they really are. Because I love this phrase, having seen them and greeted them from afar. I mean, how far away can you possibly be from something and still greet it? You know what I'm saying? You couldn't be, there's only so much far away I could be and give you a head nod and you'd notice, you know? You certainly have to be real close for me to give you a handshake or a hug or a fist bump. So the idea here being is this is far, Sort of, but faith brings it real close, close enough for me to say, hello, like I can greet this. Here's my hope. Instead of hope feeling like, well, way out there, faith brings it real close, you say, hello, hope, and you give it a handshake, you know? I can greet it because it becomes close to me. So faith takes the things that appear to be far away through understanding of the word of God. It mediates through the word of God. It takes the truths of the word of God and it, it reveals how close and how real the things of heaven especially are to us. And then we live our lives in light of the fact that the realities of heaven are very big, way bigger than the realities of our current experience on earth. So instead of being overwhelmed by what's actually very small, we let the truth of what is really big cover the things that are, are actually small. And this is how we navigate our life. But not only does faith seek the future and bring it closer and near, but faith also has a proper perspective of the present. So look at this, he's just gonna keep going. The logic of this is, is amazing. What's the next verse? Having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. So faith not only deals with the future and brings it closer to my reality, but it also takes my present and it, it puts the proper perspective on this. Because here's our problem. Here's the problem that we have that, that makes things worse than it should be. We tend to underestimate and undervalue the future and overestimate and overvalue the present. This is what happens. We flip the reality to say, the things that are happening on earth feel so big in my life. The issues in front of me feel ginormous and the solutions of heaven feel very small and insignificant. And we underestimate and undervalue what heaven is for us and we overestimate and overvalue what the world can give us now positively and the negative things that happen to us. 
and we have flipped our entire perspective because we have treated this place as if it was our home and as if we were supposed to get comfortable and do well here. When the reality of the Christian is, this is not my home, I'm just a passing through. The goal of my faith is not to make my life better here, but to get me from here to there. And so then I realize I don't belong here. And when I understand and have the proper perspective on earth, then I can navigate what happens to me because my expectations are correct. So instead of expecting certain things here on earth that God has only promised in heaven, I don't get distorted in my faith. Here's something for you to understand that's very important because what, what I want to do is obviously it's true. I'm going to go ahead and just say it. That faith can change things in your present. And that God can do miracles and that we should pray and believe in faith that the present realities can change. That is 100% true. But also, and probably more importantly because it's against our, our, our nature, is we need to understand uh, what faith looks like in struggle and suffering and waiting and in the middle. And I want us to not abandon ship when we call down the promises of heaven and we're still stuck with the problems on earth. Say, what do I do then? And that's the real life, you know? That's most of our life if we're honest. I mean, there's a lot of blessings and God does a lot of miracles and amazing things. But really, all the really, really good things that God has promised to us are really heavenly related. And so here's here's what you need to understand about your faith, okay? This is necessary, and it it has to be well-rounded with still a faith that believes for victory now, too. You don't want to throw that away. But faith will not demand right now what is only promised in the future, That's what faith will not do. Faith will not demand right now that is only promised in the future. So faith is necessary to get you through, but faith will not demand right now what is only promised in the future. So my expectations become, you know, what Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. So faith will not demand that my circumstances sort themselves out. It will pray, believe, hope, and go for it, but faith will not demand it. Therefore, When they don't work out, I still look at it and say, not yet. Faith will not demand that the body gets healed. It will pray for it. It will believe God is able to do it. It will hope for it and expect certain things. But it will not demand that what is promised me in the future will be given to me now. Faith doesn't do that. It believes, once again, it's full of confidence. God can do anything. But at the same time, it's well-rounded and stable. It will not demand now what God has only promised in the future. So what God has promised us in the future is a place of heaven, no suffering, no pain, perfect bodies, no illness, no division, no struggle, no nothing. God has promised us that, and that's amazing and wonderful. And so there's realities of that that can get placed on earth through God's answers to prayers, but faith does not demand my experience on earth to be equivalent to my experience in heaven. And it does not, it does not demand or hold God hostage, so to speak, for not delivering me in this present moment when he's already delivered me from my sins and granted me eternity in heaven. So faith doesn't twist these things to say, God, how could you not heal my body, answer my prayer, fix this situation, recover this marriage? How could you not? Faith doesn't do that because faith says, I know that you have already died and risen again for me. And I know that in heaven all these things will get sorted out. So I can stand strong in this moment by faith, trusting God. And I can look at the brokenness of my situation and not demand that God do what I want. But in faith I can look at it and I can say, no. Yeah.
and I can just keep going. This is the reality we have to be able to live this way because look, here's what happens with our perspective on earth. If I think that I belong here and this is my home, then I will make all of God's promises a thing I must experience now and I will force them places that they don't belong. I will force it. I said, God, you promised. And he said, yeah, it's a promise for heaven. I, if, if I believe this is my home, then I will desire to be comfortable here. As opposed to when I'm, a, when I'm a stranger or an exile or where I'm somewhere I don't belong, my expectations begin to be different. If I showed up at your house, though you may be very welcoming, my comfortability level would not be the same as at my house. And I shouldn't expect it to be. But if I showed up at your house and expected things to be just as wonderful and set up for me as they are at my house, and then I got upset at you for not setting up things for me as, it, as they were at my house to suit my best interests, you would think I was a jerk. Say, why is the bathroom here and not there? Why do you not have certain kind of food in the fridge? Why do you eat like this? Why do you do this? Why do you use this kind of candle? Say, this is not your, hey, bro, it's not your house, you know? You can walk on out of here. If my expectations, see what I'm saying? You gotta switch it to say, my expectations on earth need to match reality is that I am a stranger here. This is not where I belong. Therefore, things are not set up for my best interest or for things to work out the way I would like. Now, God is always working things out according to what he thinks is best. But when I understand that I don't belong here, what I begin to understand is that faith is not given to me to make this place more comfortable and, and homely to me, but faith is given to me that I would continue to walk through the strange land, not quit, not give up, and make it to the promised land. Faith exists to get you through. That's the point. It doesn't exist for you to stay put or to make this place better for you. And we need to begin to shift our expectations of not only what we expect to happen to us on earth, but how we expect God to let things happen for us on earth. And we need to stop forcing our own perspective on what's best for us on God. And we need to trust that he is doing what is best. And how can I know that? Well, because he already died for me. So I already have evidence that God has my best interest in mind. Therefore, my faith can stand here in this place and walk confidently into the future. A little short way to say this is that my faith will go wrong when I don't know where I belong. My faith will go wrong when I don't know where I belong. I will expect the wrong things from God, and then I'll be mad at God for not doing them. I will expect certain circumstances, and then I'll be mad at God for not working them out. I will expect certain solutions, and I'll be mad at God for leaving the problems when I don't know where I belong. And if you are in Christ, this is not your home. And you are made for another place. And your citizenship and all the comforts and blessings that God has designed for you to experience will be fully realized in heaven. But now it's a strange land. And you should expect to feel like a stranger.
And sometimes what you need to understand to discern your own spiritual condition is how comfortable do I feel here on earth? Or do I feel like a stranger or do I feel like a citizen? And you might be able to discern ahead of time that you are setting yourself up for disappointment because you've gotten so comfortable on earth. And you expect certain things from God that though he has been gracious to sort out in your life so far, he hasn't promised for the future. And because you've gotten comfortable now, when God makes the world feel strange to you, you'll blame God and be mad at him. When all the while, faith was never given to you for that. But faith was given to you so that you could make it through and get to where God has promised to deliver everything he has promised to you, which is in heaven. So faith is a seeking faith, not a staying faith. Faith is supposed to keep you moving, keep you working, keep you waiting, keep you watching, keep you moving towards the thing God has actually designed for you, which is heaven. Okay, second thing. Faith is always thinking about the future. So faith is always seeking the future, and faith is always thinking about the future. Here's the verse. They said, it says, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. Thinking, thinking. If they had been thinking of that land, if they had been thinking about what they were missing out on, if they had been thinking about how things used to be, Here's what's important for you to understand, is what you think about is important to the formation of your faith, and your faith then affects your feelings, your feelings affect your decisions, and your decisions affect your outcomes. But it all starts here, in the head. Thinking forms your faith. Your faith affects your feelings. Your emotional state, your feelings, affect your decisions, and your decisions affect your outcomes. So therefore, the place to start always in regards to faith is thinking. Here's what I want you to write down and understand. Your heart will follow where your mind leads. Your heart will follow where your mind leads. And the idea that you should follow your heart is not only foolish, it's also illogical. Because your heart doesn't make personal own decisions. Your heart is informed by the thoughts that you think about. And this is why the scriptures are so talking about you got to meditate on the word day and night. Why? Because your thinking has to be transformed. Why? So that you can understand who God is. So that your heart can be filled with truth and be led by truth, not by your own feelings. Your heart will follow where your mind leads. This is the point of this, to say if they were thinking about somewhere else, their heart and their body would have gone somewhere else. But they weren't thinking about that. They were thinking about what's to come. We must feed our faith by feeding our mind with the truth. Thinking, thinking, thinking. Here's the issue for us is that you return to the same old things because you think about the same old things. If you want to go to new places, you have to start thinking about new places. If you want to go to better places, you have to start thinking about better places. And if you want to move on with your life, you must move on in your thoughts. The reason some of you haven't moved on in your life is because you're in the same place in your thoughts. 
And if your thinking does not change, your life will not change. And if your thinking doesn't progress, your life will not progress. You cannot move on in your life until you move on in your thoughts. Because your heart and your body will follow wherever your mind leads. Which is, once again, why the scriptures put so much emphasis on filling your mind with the truth of God's word. And meditating on it and letting it soak in. Because whatever you think about, that is who you are. And that will determine your choices. Thinking, thinking is so important. Here's what you need to do. You need to stop thinking about what you left behind. And you need to start thinking about what lies ahead. You need to stop thinking about what you're lacking, and you need to start thinking about what's coming. You need to stop thinking about where you once were, and you need to start thinking about where you will be. Faith leads you not to what was, but what will be. Faith has a future focus, and it starts in your mind with your thoughts. A way to think about this is that faith is for the windshield, not the rearview mirror. Faith is for the windshield, not the rearview mirror. Faith is designed to keep you looking forward so that you can navigate the road ahead and get to your destination. Faith is not designed for you to look back and assess all the things in your past. Here's what you need to understand from a perspective of what Jesus has done is that the only thing you should see when you look back in the rearview mirror of your life or when you look back in the past is a cross and an empty grave. That's the only thing you should see, a cross and an empty grave. And you know what happens when you look back and you see a cross and an empty grave? Where does a cross and an empty grave point you towards? The future, it points you to heaven. So instead of looking back and wishing you once were there or looking back, and being discouraged about what you did or what happened to you, and those things being big and preventing you from moving towards your future, when you look back, the only thing you should see is a big old cross and an empty grave, and that's going to point you to a big old heaven and a hope for eternity. Faith is for the windshield. It's to keep you moving forward, not the rearview mirror. You need to stop looking backwards. I mean, it's as simple as if I asked you to stand up and walk throughout the room forward while looking backward without running into anything or hurting yourself. Yeah. Okay, it's like if I, if I just made you do the experiment, say, I want you to walk from here to there, but I want you to look backwards the whole time, you know? I don't want you to run anything, and you shouldn't hurt yourself. And say, that's crazy. Well, it's the same thing spiritually to say, how do you expect to keep moving forward when you keep looking backward? How do you expect to keep moving forward when you keep thinking about what was, what was, either bad or good? You see, what happened here in this situation is it says if they had the opportunity to return, they would have gone back. I want you to think about it this way. All right, here's your, here's your Dr. Seuss thing for the day. All right? It might take you a minute, but I promise you'll get it. Faith, here's what you need to write down. This might be the most important thing. Faith is not looking to return, but to returns. You say, what in the world does that mean? Well, <laughs> to return is to go back. But returns are what I get back. 
Oh, you got it now. So faith is not looking to go back because faith is obsessed with what I will get back. Faith is not looking to return, but to returns. Faith doesn't have FOMO. Faith doesn't worry about things like that. Faith doesn't have to go back because it's obsessed with what it will get back. Faith is not looking to return to the what was. Faith is not looking to return to the good old days. Faith is not looking to return to when things were comfortable. Faith is not looking to return to when things were working out better. Faith is not looking to return to uh, thinking about all the terrible things I've once done. Faith doesn't look to return to go back. Faith looks to returns what I will get back. And so you just need in your life to have this phrase when you're dealing with these things to say, I don't need to go back because of what I will get back. You need to sub those phrases out. It's not about the fact that I need to go back. It's about the fact that there's things I'm going to get back, and that's going to change my perspective on everything. And it's going to help me move forward in my life. I don't need to go back because of what I will get back. Because look what's happening here. It says, if they were thinking about the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. I mean, this is so, this is us all the time. So they say, especially now when you're following Jesus, and some of y'all who are new to the faith really need to understand this, and many of y'all who have walked this out at least need to have the right perspective on maybe some of the things. Oftentimes, when you choose to follow Jesus, things get worse instead of better. You guys have that experience. They get worse instead of better. Or when you choose to do the right thing in faith, and it gets worse instead of better. What about those times when you're super obedient to the Lord and your life falls apart? Hey, is your faith ready for that? What, do you have a category for that? What about when you're the holiest you've ever been and your life circumstances are the worst they've ever been? Do you have a category for being focused on following Jesus and things getting worse instead of better? Right now on earth at least, right now. Because what you're gonna see later in Hebrews is there's like a group of people that conquered when they were in faith and there's a group of people that died. There's a group of people that, that conquered lands, and there's a group of people that were martyred and got their heads chopped off. Faith is good for both things. But you need a kind of faith that can handle when things get worse instead of better. Because here's what happens. I'm following Jesus, and I expect certain things. Things get worse instead of better. They stay worse instead of getting better. And I think back on what life was like before I followed Jesus or before I made this decision to serve or to sacrifice, and I remember at least falsely, I have a false perception of how great and comfortable and enjoyable that was. All right? It's the same reason why you called that girl back after you broke up with her. Same reason. Why? Because you sat there in your feelings and you felt lonely. And you couldn't manage the feeling of being lonely in the present, so you looked back. And then when you looked back, you had a false sense of how great that relationship was. The reason you broke up with her was because she was crazy. She's crazy. She's crazy. That's why you broke up with her. But in the middle of this moment of your life, you don't got another girlfriend. And so now you're feeling lonely. And you look back and you think, man, you know, that first kiss was magical. It's magical. Maybe we could get that back again, you know? I mean, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. You know, like, man, you mean to tell yourself, well, it's better than being lonely. And instead of learning to wait in the present, your solution is to go back to the past and to the very thing that made your present so miserable. 
Because here's what happens. When you set your mind on what used to be and you have opportunity, that's when you return. Because the situation for these people would have been, we left the places where we felt comfortable, we stepped into new places to follow Jesus, to follow God, and now we are very uncomfortable. But if we keep thinking about how uncomfortable we are and how comfortable we once were, there's actually a path back to where we once were. And so if we set our thoughts on what used to be, we will take the path that returns us to where we used to be. If my thoughts are thinking about what used to be, I will take the opportunities to go back to what used to be. If my thoughts are thinking about that magical first kiss and my thoughts are thinking about how lonely I am now and I have opportunity because I have her number, all of a sudden at 10 o'clock at night, I'm texting her. And I'm saying, I need, I, 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 I don't have another solution. And so you go back. And this is true with anything in life. When you return to things before that weren't good for you because you don't have the resources to manage the reality of your present. So you go back. And instead of moving forward in life, you're continuing to go backwards. And faith doesn't do that. Faith doesn't look to return, but to returns. Because the issue for all of us is you will have opportunity to go back to old habits and old people in old ways. You will begin to falsely believe that things used to be better back then. And if the opportunity presents itself, and your mind isn't fixed on the future that God has for you, your body and your heart will go back. And you'll return to the very things that made you miserable in the present. Only because you're not fixed enough on the future. The solution to your present moment is not backwards, and it's not even to rush ahead on the earth right now, forwards, and it's not to look to the left or to the right or to other solutions. The solution is, by faith, to wait on God. And his timing. It says here, but as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. So I want you to understand now, this is very important for you, that faith directs your desires. So you see what I'm saying here? They desire, so you're moving progressively to how are they by faith making these decisions, not returning back to old things, trusting God in the middle, even when things get worse instead of better. They don't return because they trust God and his plan for their future. How does faith do that? Well, faith also reorients your desires. So it says they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. So you know what hasn't happened to them is they become so holy they don't desire things anymore. You know what hasn't happened to them is that their natural humanness has been shoved away and they're super spiritual creatures. No, 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 no. They have desires but you know what faith has done has directed their desires towards the place they will be fulfilled and here's what happens to us especially in terms of sin and temptation for those who are trying to follow Jesus is you spend so much time saying no to your desires instead of redirecting your desires and you're trying to squish down that which God has made to be satisfied in himself and instead of always pressing down that which will pop up over and over again you need faith in who God is and what has come what is coming for you to direct your desires to the right place so they took their desire for comfort they directed it to heaven they took their desire for security they directed it to heaven they took their desire for joy and they directed it to joy in heaven they took their desire for peace and they directed it to perfect peace they took the desires that God hadn't put inside of them and faith directed them to the place where they'll actually get fulfilled and then faith moved them towards that place so they stopped wasting time getting unfulfilled in other places to try to complete their desires 
You see what? Faith has taken your desires, and instead of spending so much time squishing them down, the good ones and the bad ones, say, no, you need to pull them up. And what faith does, because it fills you with the Word of God and the promises of God and the realities of heaven and the truths of His way. You know, God's way is best all the time. It fills you with these realities, and then faith takes your desires, and instead of squishing them down, rises them up and directs them to the place where they'll finally be satisfied. And the beauty is God is so gracious. He allows you to experience that in part on earth. But faith also has a fixed focus on heaven that one day all my desires will be met perfectly and will never be unmet ever again. And you have been spending so much time trying to squish or stop your desires when the goal is to redirect them to the place where they will be fulfilled. And you can't do that except by faith. The last thing, faith is always looking forward to the future. Somebody had the band go ahead and come back up. We're closing on this point. So faith seeks the, seeking the future, thinking about the future, and then faith is always looking forward to the future. It says, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. I love the logic of this passage. I mean, it's so wonderful. So as we end, so they desire a heavenly country where you see all these things. They're not home here. They're desiring another home. But so far, it's all been on the things that they're looking forward to. And now it moves to what God is doing is that as they desire something ahead, God is actively making it. He's preparing it. You know, it's like I have a desire for cupcakes and somebody's in the kitchen putting them in the oven. They're making it. And I know that because someone else is making it, I will soon experience it. And this is the hope that we have in Jesus, that we put all our hopes, not in our ability to accomplish our best ends, not in our ability to take us where we wanna go, not in our ability to cook up that which we wanna eat, but we place all of that in the hands of an infinitely wise, all-powerful, good God. And we say, God is orchestrating something perfectly designed for you that will satisfy you for all of an eternity. That's what he's cooking up right now. So while you are waiting, God is preparing. And this is the kind of reality that you need to understand in your life while you feel unsatisfied, disappointed, discouraged, in the middle, is to say, while I am waiting, God is working. And he is preparing for me that which I was designed to have, and it will be perfect. And remember, what does faith do? It takes the realities of heaven and brings them close. It brings them near. Here's the last phrase I want you to write down, is that what God is preparing for you is greater than anything he could provide for you now. What God is preparing for you based on the work of the cross, which to those who are not in Christ is only available through Jesus Christ. There is no other religious leader, no other way. You can't earn yourself there. You must believe and trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But when you do, God prepares for you a spot in heaven, a city designed, a home designed perfectly fit for you. And he's working on that, and he's actively preparing for that. In the middle of your disappointment now, just know that your desires will be perfectly fulfilled later. And what God is preparing for you is greater than anything he could provide for you now. The greatest prayer has already been answered and the greatest blessing already secured in Christ Jesus.
1 Corinthians 2 says it this way. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it even entered into the heart and the imagination of man what God has prepared for those who love him. You can't even dream of how good it will be. You can't even imagine it. You can't even get close. And he's saying you set your eyes on that. So here's what I want you to do real quick. I want you to take one eye and I want you to put it on the ground and I want you to take one eye and I want you to put it on the ceiling. Ready, go. Try. Right, you can't do it. And when you try for two seconds, you get a headache. All right, that's what happens in our life is we keep one eye on earth and the things here and we throw maybe one eye shot towards heaven and we live in a constant state of confusion and disorientation, frustration. And what the Bible says here is we take both eyes, both ears, our whole soul and body and heart and we orient and we fix them directly on heaven. And there awaits our hope in Jesus Christ, what God is preparing for us. And so today the prayer is that through the work of the Holy Spirit, he would fill you with faith to fix both eyes on what he has promised you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for all you've done for us. And I ask now, by the work of your Holy Spirit, you would fix our eyes on heaven. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand?